Today on Vitality Radio, why is the company that makes Skittles getting sued? What is titanium dioxide, and is it our friend or is it our enemy? What's the deal on magnesium stearate? If you've been wondering if that's something that should or should not be in your supplements, we'll talk about that. And then in the news, organic and natural are rising big time. Like in the last seven years, uh, demand has increased by 12%, uh, which means conversely that demand for things that are not natural or not organic has gone down. But what does this mean for us as consumers if we want more options in these categories? And what the heck does natural mean anyway? And one more thing, there is a gummy sale. And if you're into gummies or if you have kids and they love gummies and you're hoping to get them healthier, you don't want to miss this. That's all today on Vitality Radio. Uh, let's start with the sale. We're doing some fun stuff right now on our website, vitalitynutrition.com and in-store as well. And I've never been able to do this. In fact, it's... Uh, I don't even think, I know in print, I can't even tell you what the prices are going to be because I'd be breaking what's called the minimum advertised price policy uh, for a company called Nordic Naturals. But if you're familiar with Nordic Naturals, one thing you know is that they make good stuff and that their prices are reasonably high compared to some other brands. And you, if you know me, you know I don't love gummies, but I do like the Nordic gummies for the most part. Not a big fan of their fish oil gummies because I just don't think there's enough omega-3 in there to make much difference. But most of their other stuff, they have a vitamin C, they have a vitamin D3, they have multivitamins for kids, they have my favorite product by them is their, like my favorite product by them across the board is their probiotic gummy, uh, which has the bacillus coagulans. Anyway, we're doing something we've never been able to do before. They gave us a promo that is really exciting. We're starting out right now. Um, as soon as this show, as soon as you hear this show, these will be up online and in the store at 30% off. Like I said, I can't even put that in print, I don't think, without breaking the rules. They're never 30% off. Maybe you'll find them at 10 to 20% off, but they are 30% off right now. That means the gummy, which is a 60-day supply, I uh, I hope I'm saying that right. I think it's a 60-day supply. I don't have it in front of me, uh, which is normally only 20 bucks, which isn't bad for a, a good probiotic and a gummy. It's like 14 bucks. So really, really cool. Good deals. Check it out, vitalitynutrition.com, or call us at 801-292-6662. Now, let's roll into this, and I'm going to start off with... Um, a bit of a rant here. Uh, this There's an article from the New York Times written by Rachel Rabkin Peachman. Quite a name. Actually, uh, I really like that name, Rachel Rabkin Peachman. Uh, but uh, you can't say it very fast very many times or you get uh, tongue-tied. Anyway, this was published just uh, about a month ago, and they updated it just uh, earlier this month. And um, I'm going to read pretty much verbatim and then just inject my feelings on this. The title of the article is a lawsuit claims Skittles are unfit for consumption. Experts weigh in. They contain the food additive titanium dioxide, which is in thousands of food products. Here's what we learned about its safety. So that's how it starts out. The class action lawsuit filed July 14th in the United States District Court in Northern District of California said that Mars Inc., that's the company that makes Skittles, has long known of the health problems the chemical compound posed and that it had even publicly committed 
in 2016 to phase the substance out of its products. Yet, according to the complaint, the candy company flouted its own promise to consumers and continued to sell Skittles with titanium dioxide posing a significant health risk to unsuspecting consumers. Now, California, thanks to their Prop 65 and so many other absurd things that are going on over there with their nut job uh, governor and, and so on. I mean, this is the home of Nancy Pelosi. But anyway, whatever. I digress. There's a lot of stuff going on in California, and there are a lot of frivolous lawsuits. So when I saw this, I just kind of laughed it off initially. And then I, then when I saw the titanium dioxide thing, I thought, well, maybe I should dig into this because I've had some concerns about titanium dioxide, which is interesting because I do routinely recommend that if you're going to use a natural sunscreen, a mineral sunscreen, you should be looking for titanium dioxide or zinc oxide. Now, I personally prefer zinc oxide just because I believe it's it's got a, a better track record of safety. But as long as it's not in nanoparticle form, neither of those are going to absorb into the body and get into the cells anyway. So when I'm talking about titanium dioxide in food, I'm not talking about the same stuff that would be in sunscreen. Just, well, okay, same stuff, but different use because you're not ingesting it. And it's in a bigger particle size uh, that uh, basically stays off the skin on the skin until you wash it off. Sweet treats uh, and candies also make up a large share of food products that contain the substance, according to EWG. Um, thousands of children's sweets, including Starburst and other candies marketed to kids, contained titanium dioxide. It's also used in a variety of non-food items, such as certain medications, sunscreens, cosmetics, paints, and plastics. In fact, I saw it in so many supplements when I was browsing the Costco aisle uh, and their vitamin and mineral and herb supplements, and it's found often in pharmaceuticals as well because it makes the pill shinier, and if there's any white writing on the pill, that will be titanium dioxide or some combination of ink with titanium dioxide because that's what it does. It's very bright white and that's why they want to use it so the little s on the skittle i'm not 100 positive but i think if i understand correctly that is made of titanium dioxide all right so since 1966 the food and drug administration has recognized the use of titanium dioxide in human food as safe as long as it doesn't exceed one percent of the food's weight uh Wait, wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. Who are we talking about here? Oh, yeah, the FDA. So whenever anything comes out of Washington that makes no sense, we can generally assume that it's a politician speaking or some bureaucrat from some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? administration, uh, like the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, and uh, it doesn't make sense because it's coming from them and most of what they do doesn't make sense unless you follow the money, and then a lot of times it does make sense, but I digress once again. What are they saying here, though? As long as it doesn't exceed 1% of the food's weight, then it's safe? Well, what about the person's weight who's consuming the food? And what about how much of that food they might be consuming? If you're, in the case of titanium dioxide, there's not going to be a lot in a bag of Skittles. If all they're doing is painting those little white S's on there. Maybe they're mixing it into the dyes to make them shinier, which I believe they also do. I know it's in M&Ms as well. Um, then there's not going to be a ton in there. It's going to be less than 1% for sure. But what does that have to do with anything? The food's weight is insignificant. The weight of the person eating the food and how much of that food they're eating is the significant part. So again, FDA watching out for our own good by making rules that make no sense. 
But despite its widespread use, studies published since the 1960s have raised questions about its safety. Back to titanium dioxide again. A 2015 review of mostly animal, but some human studies included as well, for instance, found that titanium dioxide did not pass through the body as research in the 1960s suggested. Instead, the researchers found the additive could be absorbed into the bloodstream via the intestines and accumulate in certain organs, potentially damaging the spleen, liver, and kidneys. A subsequent animal study published in 2017 linked titanium dioxide with an increased risk of intestinal inflammation, cancer, and damage to the immune system. None of those sound very good. This research was concerning enough that in 2019, just three years ago, the French government called for a ban of titanium dioxide by 2020. They only gave food manufacturers a year to figure it out. And in 2021, last year, another review of animal and human studies raised the possibility that titanium dioxide could play a role in inflammatory bowel diseases and colorectal cancer. So that's going to be things like um, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, and so on. So we've got a, a, a pile of studies starting to add up to, well, maybe titanium dioxide not so good for human consumption. This year, after an assessment of the scientific literature by the European Food Authority, the European Union decided to ban titanium dioxide in food. So first France, then the European Union. The agency highlighted its concern with the additive that could damage DNA and lead to cancer. While more research is still needed, the agency concluded, sorry, colluded, could have done that too, that it could not establish a safe level of titanium dioxide in food. Okay, so we can't establish a safe level, so let's just not put it in the food. That makes sense to me, except that Britain who's, of course, Brexited, uh, so they're no longer part of the European Union. And Canada, however, disagreed with the European Union's decision and continued to allow titanium dioxide in food. And, of course, so does America. Ro sorry, Norbert Kaminsky, who just based on his name, I appreciate very much. Norbert Kaminsky is a professor of pharmacology and toxicology and director of the Center for Research on Ingredient Safety at Michigan State University, whose own animal research on titanium dioxide has been partially funded by industry groups such as the Titanium Dioxide Manufacturers Association and the International Association of Color Manufacturers. And Norbert said that the studies used to justify banning the ingredient in the European Union contained methodology flaws. He added that a 1979 study by the National Toxicology Program, part of the National Institutes of Health, found no link between titanium dioxide and and cancer. Okay, so Norbert, who just on by virtue of his name, I liked him until I found out who he was, and I found out who he was. He's a shill for the industry group known as Titanium Dioxide Manufacturers Association, didn't know that existed, and the International Association of Color Manufacturers. That is not the same as the NAACP. That's different. This is the people that make colors for your food. Um, most of which are probably, if not all, uh, that this group represents artificial and, you know, potentially carcinogenic neurotoxins and so on and so forth. So Norbert is going to, of course, say, hey, come on, this isn't true. It's not a big deal. And then he points to a study that's only 43 years old. 
compared to all these new studies that are coming out uh, in, the, uh, in the last, you know, five, six, seven years. And he says, well, that study said everything's fine. Now, of course, we don't know that one study really tells us anything, right? right? One that says it's bad, one that says it's good, which is why oftentimes, in fact, maybe one of the most common things you'll hear at the end of a study or read at the end of a study is more studies need to be done. They love to say that. And that is because it's very likely that the study uh, could be flawed in some way, and, and we have to replicate the study that's actually known as science. And so we don't know if the study in 1979 is a good study. We don't know if the studies in 2016, 2017, 2019 that we're looking at were good studies. But we do know that more and more of the studies are pointing towards an issue with titanium dioxide, not pointing towards no issues with titanium dioxide. And of course, you always have to question any study funded by the National Institutes of Health, our own NIH, the head of the FDA, the head of the CDC, one of the most crooked organizations on the face of the planet, which we learned very uh, clearly over the last few years. All right. So Norbert, I'm going to call foul on that. You can't Pick one study from 1979 if you're being paid by the Titanium Dioxide Manufacturers Association and the International Association of Color Manufacturers. These two groups go together well because people use titanium dioxide to enhance the brightness of the colors. So they're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be buddies. In response to a request for comment, an FDA official said that the agency has reviewed the findings of the European Union's ban and concluded that the available studies do not demonstrate safety concerns connected to the use of titanium dioxide as a color additive. Now, I've read that from FDA many, many times, and then eventually they come out and say, oops, I guess we were wrong. So, again, whatever's coming from them, I always have to take with a grain of salt. But Pierre Herck's I think that's correct, H-E-R-C-K-E-S. Uh, Herx, a professor, professor of chemistry at the School of Molecular Science at Arizona State University, who was an author on a 2014 study on titanium dioxide, said that based on the current research, which is mixed, it's tricky to say whether consumers should limit their consumption of the additive. I don't have a clear yes or no, he said. And that's probably the most accurate statement by any of these people in this article. We don't know for sure, but there is doubt, and so we should at the very least be looking into it, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, it would be a good idea to get it out of the marketplace while we decide if it's safe. How about that? Instead of this living experiment that's mostly being experimented on with our children because it is mostly found in candy, particularly candy with bright colors, which are marketed towards children, things like Skittles. And those kids are the ones that are ingesting most of this stuff. And Dr. Herx says that may be the biggest concern of all is that most of the food that is being, that titanium dioxide is being added to is being given to children and who knows what that's doing to their DNA and creating issues in later years. All right. So that's the story on the Skittles lawsuit. Um, I'm going to say this. I'm seeing titanium dioxide in so many things. I believe that since FDA is not going to protect us on this, at least not anytime soon, 
It behooves us as consumers, and particularly as consumers with children who may want to eat Skittles, and I'm going to tell you, Skittles are delicious, right? I mean, come on. Skittles are delicious. That's me, Jared St. Clair, the guy that owns the health food store, does Vitality Radio. Skittles are delicious. I don't eat Skittles hardly ever because they're poison. I mean, they're so bad for you, right? They have everything in there that you don't want and nothing in there that you do. So it's a pretty easy decision to not do Skittles. But there are other things that we need to look at, including even supplements, and keep a look or keep an eye on titanium dioxide. And I believe try to avoid it. I think that's the best way. Okay. So another thing that people have been told to avoid and we're going to go a different direction with this one, is something called magnesium stearate. Now, magnesium stearate and stearic acid are two things that are known as excipients or flow agents that are used in capsule machines uh, that are um, you know, dumping powder into capsules to be put in supplement bottles or pharmaceutical bottles, either way. And it is that combination of things is the best. It's slippery. It keeps things from sticking together. It makes it easier to encapsulate your formula. And my manufacturer gets driven nuts by the fact that I won't let them put magnesium stearate or stearic acid in my formulas because it works faster and it's less pain for them and it costs less money to use than pretty much any other flow agent out there. Why won't I put it in my formulas? Well, simply because... A, we're not 100% sure. We're not 100% sure that it's got no issues associated with it. So that's always like what I said with titanium dioxide. If you're not sure, it's a good idea to probably be cautious. But also, frankly, because I can't talk to every single consumer that buys my product and explain to them what I'm about to explain to you right now. Now, I borrowed really heavily from an article by Chris Kresser. Uh, if you don't know who Chris Kresser is, he's a he's a good follow on uh, all the social medias. Uh, you know, he's got videos and things that he puts out. And I don't agree with Chris on everything. And, and we disagreed mightily on a couple of COVID-related things. But for the most part, he's pretty dialed in. And, and I like uh, Chris Kresser quite a bit. Um, he wrote an article on this. And I really, really liked it. Uh, for one thing that I'm aware of, I don't think he has his own supplement line. Now, I could be wrong. That may have changed. Um, so maybe he's, you know, got a little bit of bias here or whatever, but I think this is a really pretty unbiased look at magnesium stearate. And if you've heard that magnesium stearate is not good in your supplements, bear with me. I'm going to dive into that right now. One study, uh, that many people use as evidence against magnesium stearate is a 1990 experiment entitled molecular basis for the immunosuppressive action of steric acid on T cells. Now, Chris says this baffles me, and I suspect that anyone using the study to indict uh, magnesium stearate hasn't actually read it. Well, I've looked at this study, and he is right. It is baffling. But here is the thing. This is what I believe is happening. I don't know that this is happening, but there have been a couple of brands that have really grabbed a hold of this big time and said, you don't want magnesium stearate in your supplements. You don't want stearic acid in your supplements. And they're saying if you buy a product that has it in, it's a low-quality product. I'm telling you right now that is simply not true. I don't include it in my supplements for the reasons I explained, but I take supplements that aren't my brand that have magnesium stearate, and it doesn't bother me at all. I don't believe that there's really an issue. 
The problem with this first study is it was done on mice, and in some cases, mice and humans, they're pretty close as far as studies go. But in this case, what they did is they isolated T cells and B cells from mice. So they took them out of the mouse, they put them in a Petri dish, and they bathed them in a solution containing steric acid along with some other components. They observed that the T cells incorporated the steric acid into their cell membrane, eventually destabilizing the membrane enough that the cell died, which would indicate that it could potentially cause cancer. But the problem with that is it has nothing to do with magnesium stearate because they didn't use magnesium stearate. They used steric acid. Also, as Chris Kresser points out, Steric acid is found in beef, it's found in all kinds of healthy food, and if this was really a problem, coconut oil, chocolate, things like that, the little amount that's in a supplement bottle is the least of our worries. When you eat a steak or cook your eggs in coconut oil or eat a piece of chocolate, you'd be getting a lot more steric acid than what uh, you're ever going to get in a vitamin pill. So the question is, what's going on with this study? Well, there's two things. First off, you're never going to get enough steric acid or magnesium stearate to bathe your T cells in it. So that in and of itself is a problem. The second problem, though, is that mice don't have the enzyme that we have that breaks down this fat. We can break down steric acid into a usable form because steric acid is a um, saturated fat. And we are able to break down this saturated fat into uh, desaturated individual fatty acids. Mice can't do that. We can. This study is plain bogus when it comes to humans. Another criticism is that magnesium stearate might inhibit nutrient absorption. And this is the one I've heard the most. One in vitro study conducted in 2007, the first thing I want to start with is one in vitro study. In vitro was, again, petri dish, not in a person. Conducted in 2007, found that tablets containing magnesium stearate dissolved more slowly than tablets with magnesium stearate when placed in, or sorry, without magnesium stearate when placed in artificial, artificial gastric juices. The study authors concluded that in vivo studies inside the body, uh, are needed to determine whether this finding has any practical significance. However, an earlier study found that although magnesium stearate increased the time it took for a drug to dissolve, it had no effect on overall bioavailability, as evidenced by a blood level of the drug in test subjects. Further, another study found that levels of magnesium stearate did not affect tablet dissolution at all. So there's one study that says it does, one study that says it doesn't, and, one, and another study that shows it doesn't matter. And out of all that, we have companies that are taking that and saying, look at the brands that have magnesium stearate and don't take them. They're low quality. That's not fair. It, it isn't. I believe personally, this is, you know, magnesium stearate and supplements according to Jared. But I believe personally that magnesium stearate is fine, even though I choose not to use it because I don't 100% know in my own supplements, I do take supplements that contain it. I don't consider it a problem at all. Now, uh, part three of the show is organic and natural on the rise. I was reading an industry magazine that uh, I get uh, monthly, and they had this article in there uh, saying that demand for organic and natural is on the rise. Now, of course, I think most people listening to this show already know that. Many of you listening 
are kind of new to natural and organic and sort of dipping your toes in trying to figure out how to feel better. But let me just give you a little bit about what this article says and what I think it means and why I think it matters. Most people have a goal of being healthy, the article says, but everyone's definition of healthy is different. Isn't that for sure? The majority, 43% of consumers, said that they don't follow a specific diet or regimen. Instead, most of them focus on various eating behaviors. Looking at the ways of eating ranked after that were low sugar, salt, fat, and reduced calorie totals, which came in at 19%, 15%, 13%, and 12% uh, respectively. So we do have a bit of an issue there in that number three, which is reduced fat, still getting 13% of consumers. Fat is not the problem. Now, the calories from fat can add up, and unhealthy fats are terrible, uh, particularly from the seed oils, uh, sunflower, safflower, canola, soybean, peanut oil, things like that. But fat is not the demon that we've been made to think that it is. And I would say salt isn't so much either, other than we've screwed up salt by isolating it into just sodium chloride, which is what table salt is. And we should be eating. And this is one of the easiest fixes. Get rid of your white table salt and get real salt, Celtic salt, Himalayan salt, anything like that. A whole food salt you will be healthier because of it, and your food will taste better to boot, okay? But uh, reduced calories can make sense. Most of us, I think, consume more calories than we need in America. And low sugar usually makes sense, especially if we're avoiding the sugars that are, um, you know, uh, refined and, and, you know, corn syrup and all that kind of crap. So, but it, it, it sheds a light on a little bit of kind of what's happening. You know, people are all over the board on trying to figure this out. And one of the things that the article states is that people are moving away from specific diet things like keto, for instance, or paleo, and they're moving into more looking at the macro and the micronutrients and kind of trying to figure that out. Now, I thought this was interesting too. 40% of consumers said the greatest positive impact on my health is nutrition compared to 26% who said the greatest impact on their health is exercise. Now, Diet and exercise are almost everything. I mean, they really are. Let's face it. Those are the two things that we have control of that can make us healthy or sick, right? A lack of exercise uh, or maybe even overkill on the exercise, although I think that's much less of a problem than lack of exercise. And then, of course, poor food choices. But I love that 40% of consumers said that it's food and only 26% said it's exercise because you can exercise until the cows come home. And if you're still eating crap, you're not going to be healthy. Food matters, and it matters a big, a, a, a great deal. In terms of what consumers are paying attention to when they eat or shop, I thought this was really interesting, and this is where I really wanted to focus here. In 2022, it was protein, vitamins, and minerals, and sugar that rose to the top at 43%, 42%, and 42%, respectively, all of which have increased since 2013. And I'll say that this is great if people are getting good forms of protein, and vitamins and minerals, and of course, shunning sugar, at least the processed kind we talked about, is great. But if you're looking for vitamins and minerals on your food packaging, and that's one of the criteria of whether or not you buy it, keep one major thing in mind. Vitamins and minerals that food companies use to add to their food, including the ones that are natural and organic food companies, are using the most 
exclu almost exclusively the bottom of the barrel ingredients and are likely causing you to become less healthy, not more. The big three on that list, and there are more, but the big three would be calcium carbonate, folic acid, and magnesium oxide. Now, you may already know the issues with calcium carbonate and magnesium oxide, but if you don't, I'm going to explain, and I go into some detail in Saturday's show, episode 255 on this as well. But calcium carbonate, if we're lucky, we're absorbing 4 to 10% of it. That means 90 to 96% of it is having to go somewhere, and your body has a difficult time eliminating calcium. So a lot of it ends up in places we don't want. Bone spurs, heel spurs, kidney stones. But the biggest, baddest thing about calcium carbonate, and not bad like good, but bad like bad, is that it can lay down in the arteries and cause hardening of the arteries, which can eventually, of course, lead to heart disease, which is still the biggest killer in America. And I believe calcium carbonate in our food supply, and I'm, this is a bold statement, but I'm confident that I'm right on this. A big part of the reason we have heart disease in America is the mass consumption of calcium carbonate. We're getting it in just about every food that's been fortified. And then if you're one who's avoiding dairy, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to do better by getting rice milk or soy milk or almond milk or oat milk or whatever, hemp milk, pick the milk. Most of those are fortified with calcium carbonate to make them look more like real milk in terms of the calcium. And that calcium is terrible for you. It makes you more magnesium deficient. And we know that most of us are magnesium deficient in the first place and more likely to get heart disease. Women studied in America over the age of 60 taking calcium for osteoporosis for 10 years have a higher risk of heart disease by 25% and not a lower risk of hip fracture at all. So calcium carbonate does not equal healthier bones, but it does equal less healthy heart. So don't rely on food packages that have added vitamins and minerals to help you get healthier because in most cases they will not. Magnesium oxide. It's kind of the flip side of calcium carbonate. We get rid of magnesium oxide pretty well. You're not going to get uh, toxic with magnesium oxide. However, it makes you less magnesium. Uh, it, it makes you more depleted, more magnesium deficient when you take magnesium oxide than when you do not. So it does not help anything at all. And then folic acid, it's so everywhere. And not all of us have an issue with folic acid, but it's estimated that somewhere between 20 and 30% of Americans are getting too much folic acid. They cannot convert it to folate, which is the actual nutrient that we need. Folic acid is the synthetic form of that nutrient. And because they can't convert it, they're becoming toxic on folic acid, which can lead to a tremendous amount of nasty things. And the only way that you can tell if you're, well, there's two ways, I guess you can tell if folic acid is an issue for you. First off, stop eating it, which means you're going to have to look at every packaged food you've got and every supplement that you've got and make sure there's no folic acid in it. Stop eating it for a month and see if your symptoms improve, whatever symptoms you have. The other way is much more expensive, but it's, I guess, easier overall, and that is get a blood test. Uh, there's a very specific type of test where you can look for something called the MTHFR genetic mutation. I'm going to be doing a whole show on that, maybe even a part one and part two on that in the near future because it's something I should have tackled by now and I haven't, and um, I need to dig into it and, and share that information with you. But in my view, folic acid, because we're getting plenty of it, too much of it in most cases, is, is not a good food additive 
at all. Um, back to the article, though. Overall, over time, natural and organic has had the most movement of anything, more than low sugar, more than low salt, more than low fat, uh, and so on. From 2013 to 2022, organic and natural ingredients have increased by an impressive 12 points in terms of consumer demand. Now, I love that. That means people are paying attention. They're interested in their health. And now the question is, how do you get educated about what all that really means? And when you are looking at food labels, how do you determine whether or not it's actually healthy? Because there's an article uh, that was written in... uh, Oh shoot! I'm gonna to have to give you the link in my uh, in in the description below because I forgot to write it in my notes here. But the title is "Natural Means Practically Nothing When It Comes to Food," and then the subtitle is "How Processed Foods Like Cheetos and Antibiotic-Filled Meat Can Still Be Labeled Natural on the Supermarket Shelf." Now that's natural, not organic, and I'm definitely gonna differentiate. So stay tuned. A judge in Washington, D.C. has dismissed a lawsuit against meat conglomerate Hormel. And I love that he calls them a conglomerate because most of the meat Hormel sells is conglomerated something. That once again highlights the murky nature of products labeled as natural, a term that become, has become more popular in recent years in grocery aisles. The lawsuit filed in the, by the animal rights group Animal Legal Defense Fund claimed that Hormel engaged in potentially misleading advertising of animal products, arguing that the Hormel Natural Choice label led consumers to believe its meat products do not contain antibiotics or hormones, when, in fact, they do. While the ruling sided with Hormel, the lawsuit did reveal that the company's Hormel Natural Choice labels use the same hormone and antibiotic-treated animals used to produce their other conventional Hormel meat products, such as Spam and Bacon. The FDA has no guidelines for the use of the term natural. Yes, you heard that right. The FDA has no guidelines for the use of the term natural and only lightly enforces the term all natural. Meanwhile, the USDA defines natural as a product containing no artificial ingredient or added color that is only minimally processed. So what does that even mean? Well, minimally processed doesn't mean much either because there can be massive amounts of processing as long as you're not changing uh, anything you know, genetically or making major, major changes, then minimally processed is considered minimally processed. So that doesn't mean much. And when they say natural is a product containing no artificial ingredient or added color, that doesn't mean what, if in the case of meat, it doesn't mean that there weren't artificial or unnatural things fed to the pig um, that we are now getting in the pig that we're now eating, okay? So that's important to differentiate those things as well. So that means animals raised with hormones and antibiotics can still fall under the natural category. Uh, And hormone natural choice packaging is within the legal bounds outlined by the USDA, which is why the lawsuit was dismissed, because they're following the rules. It's the rules that are the problem. Uh, It defines natural as minimally processed with no artificial ingredients. Um, So, and and unfortunately, that's what Hormel's meat does. But if you've seen that meat, um, you've seen it in the stores, it's sandwich meat. It comes in in a cardboard box that's not colored. It looks more natural than the other options. And it says all natural on it. And when it says all natural on it, well, a lot of consumers think that's better for me. 
but yeah, not so much. Now, one of the things that popped up is a couple of um, when, when they did discovery in this case, attorneys for the ALDF cited an email from a Hormel, Hormel marketing director noting, the fact that many consumers assume natural equals raised without antibiotics. So they're, they know when they're marketing that they have consumers that are simply being confused by their marketing. Another employee, Corwin Bullum, stated in a deposition that there is no separate manner in which the pigs raised for Hormel natural choice products are versus any other of Hormel's products. So spam or any other lunch meat or bacon product uh, would be the same from the same type of pigs treated the same way. So we have to be vigilant when it comes to food labeling. Uh, it's actually interesting. This was not intentional, but the show that I'm doing right now that you're listening to butts up really well against the show Saturday, episode 255, where I talk about how to read labels uh, better when you're looking at supplements in a, in a different way than I did in the first episode where I talked about uh, supplement facts panels. So uh, check that out on Saturday because that goes really well hand in hand really with this. But here's the thing. I get concerned that when I read stuff like this on this show, that somebody out there listening is going to say, well, I'm just going to throw my hands up and give up because I can't tell. I'm being lied to at every turn on the marketing on my supplement bottle, on the marketing on the radio and TV about pharmaceuticals, on the marketing on the package of meat that I want to put on a sandwich for my kid. I've got too many things to try and keep track of, and I can't figure out how to know if what I'm getting is actually natural. So first, everybody take a deep breath. What is a consumer to do? What, what will you do? Do you give up? Do you get overwhelmed? No, you get active. You're already taking a big step by listening to this show, trying to learn more about this stuff. If you recently found me from the Just Ingredients podcast and you've been following Carlin, she's been giving you awesome information on this very stuff every single day all over her Instagram. There is a lot of good information out there, and we have to remember that every single step in the right direction is not just a step in the right direction towards better health, but it's a step away from a direction taking us to worse health. And that compounds pretty, pretty quickly as we start to move in that right direction. But we have to realize that these companies are in business to make money. And to a large extent, they're protected by the FCC and the FDA about what they can say on their labels. FDA every once in a while cracks down on one of them. I remember when uh, Sprite was claiming their pomegranate flavor was an antioxidant. FDA put the stop to that, thank goodness. But we have to be wary for sure of what's being advertised. And what I hope to provide through this show is evidence as to why we need to be wary, answers as to ways that we can fix, uh, what's the word, fix, adjust our diets, I guess, and adjust our protocols to better serve our bodies uh, when it comes to our health and the health of our children and not give you what feels like overwhelm, like I can't win, so I'm just going to give up because that's not what this is about. Each time you make a step in the right direction, it is a positive and it's a step away from negative directions that take health away from us, like I said. And each time you buy certified organic, you're voting with your dollar. 
when you vote with your dollar by buying, buying certified organic, two things happen. And I've seen this firsthand. Organic gets cheaper. The more demand there is for it, the more supply there is. And the more supply there is, the lower the prices come. It's, it's gotten to the point where just the other day I was buying some grapes in my local grocery store. They were 50 cents cheaper for the organic than they were for the regular. Yes, they were on sale but they were still 50 cents cheaper. I was able to buy organic grapes for less than regular grapes. I never used to be able to do that, but it happens more and more. And in many cases now, uh, I was I, I love grapes, by the way. Um, I bought grapes a couple of weeks ago prior to my last road trip, and they were a dollar more for a two-pound uh, bag than the regular. So Per pound, I paid 50 cents more in that case for the organic grapes. Not a substantial difference, something that can be done uh, by most of us anyway and, and, and that we can afford. So as we do this, as we buy more organic, prices go down and selection goes up. It's really, really cool. We get to dictate to the food companies what we will buy simply by buying it or not buying it. And that is power. And we have it as a group. Individually, what you buy, it's kind of like voting in the presidential election. You know, it matters. It's one of the votes, but it's a pretty small amount. But as a collective, people like us listening to shows like this, following people like Carlin Call on Just Ingredients, buying food at the grocery store, we together make a big difference and it matters. So certified organic there, it's not perfect, but it is way better than natural. It at least means something. And that's really where you want to go. You want as much as possible to put your money into certified organic foods. That is going to protect you from these natural claims uh, for the very most part. All right. So the last part of this survey that I was reading through talking about consumer trends uh, says this, these shifts in our ways of eating make sense because only 23% of consumers feel extremely satisfied with their current health. And what's crazy is that's overall 23% of consumers of all ages from Gen Z and, and up. But in the Gen Z people, you know, the younger people, only about 30% of them are happy with their health. That's sad, if you ask me. Those are young people. They shouldn't be feeling it, so to speak. But they have been inundated with this crappy food that we call the standard American diet. And so they're right there with some of us older folks feeling not so hot, okay? So if 23% of American consumers feel extremely satisfied with their current health, that means 77% do not and about 70% of Gen Z people. So ask yourself this question. Are you satisfied with your current health level? Me, myself, Jared, I'm not. I want to be healthier than I am right now. I want to be stronger than I am, more fit than I am. Most of us fall into that boat. Now, I'm not in poor health, but I'm not in optimal health. I'm not in the, I have not obtained the ultimate vitality that I talk about on Vitality Radio in large part because I allow things in life to get in the way of my sleep, uh, take me away from exercise. And as I've stated with very, as much honesty and openness and transparency as I can, I like food. 
I like sweets. I already told you at the beginning that Skittles are delicious. That doesn't mean I eat Skittles. In fact, I almost never eat Skittles, but there was a time not that many years ago when I used to eat them all the time. And I've paid for that. I'm not as healthy as I could be at 50 years old had I been making better decisions as a younger man. But as I make better decisions, I feel better and better, not worse and worse. And that's the key. Like I said, a step in the right direction is also a step out of the wrong direction. And that stuff adds up. So if you're into it, if you want to be a more informed consumer, there's tons of good information out there. I hope so much that this program helps you with that goal. That's the reason Vitality Radio is, exists, is to educate on things that I don't think are getting enough light of day in the mainstream media. And if you are into it and you really enjoy learning about these things, then there are a lot of options that you can uh, use to get more. Uh, one thing that I'm getting more and more involved in, and uh, the last couple of weeks, due to just so many things on my plate. I haven't posted much on Instagram, but Vitality Radio on Instagram is a great place to get information. We're going to be posting things daily very, very soon. Also, at Jared Saint, my own personal Instagram, where you can also ask me questions if you want to DM me there uh, or tag me in a question if you want. And at Vitality Nutrition Bountiful on Instagram. Those are all avenues that you have. I would highly recommend if you don't follow Carlin call it just ingredients. Just dot ingredients on Instagram is fantastic. And there are many, many others that are really, really good. But one of the things that I'm having so much fun with right now is this new, excuse me, this new community that I keep telling you about. If you're already a member, I'm sorry, you're probably sick of hearing it. But if you're not, there's about 205 of us now. And uh, it's growing by somewhere between about five and 10 a day. So by the time this show hits, it'll be more than 205. Um, and I'm recording this just the evening uh, before it's released tomorrow. But here's the thing that what I'm what I'm finding in this group is it's already become this like really cool group of people that are like-minded in one area. It's not political at all. The like-mindedness is in I want to do better for my health and the health of my family. And so it doesn't matter how you vote. It doesn't matter really anything else. Do you want to be healthier? And do you want to be associated with people who want to be healthier, who want to obtain optimal vitality? And if you're on Facebook, because I know some of you aren't, and I don't blame you, Facebook is a cesspool. But that's where I've got it because it was the it was the best place that I could find. I'm looking for alternatives uh, right now. But if you're on Facebook, go to the link in the show description below and click that link for the Vitality Radio Facebook listeners community. I give away free stuff on there. I do uh, special deals, but mostly it's about education. It's about people posing questions and me and the community answering those questions. You know, what do I do if I've got this? What do I uh, use for that? Um, what do you guys use as a natural deodorant? What do you use for this? What do you use for that? That sort of thing. And it's awesome. It's a really, really powerful place. And I believe a powerful tool to better your health. Okay, I've got to run. I'm up against the deadline for the show here. But I want to remind you that we are doing that gummy sale. It's Nordic Naturals gummies. We've got them at 30% off, which we've never, ever had before. The probiotic, the vitamin D, the uh, vitamin C, and their Nordic berries for kids. 
are all on that deal. And I'm really excited to have that for you. It is while supplies last, but it's on vitalitynutrition.com as well as in our store. You can call us if you have questions, 801-292-6662. You can also try our chat feature on vitalitynutrition.com. You'll get either me or my son, Bridger, uh, usually pretty quickly after you ask. uh, And we're happy to answer questions there as well. And then optimally, if you really want to get involved, get into that Facebook listeners community, which is linked below in the show description. If you're on the podcast, if you're not on the podcast, hit me up at, at Jared Saint on Instagram or find me on Facebook and I will direct you to the community. Okay, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate all the time you give me. And if you like what you hear, as always, go tell somebody. Let's build this community, get more and more people doing best for them to improve our health, our well-being. That's what we do when we're going for optimal vitality. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, Go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.